Welcome to Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a quick timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined once again this week by my co-host, Randy Sherman. Big thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you've heard about 323 Sports' famous $55 team packs with four pieces of apparel. They actually have an equally as popular $99 team pack, which gives you a little bit more customization. also includes some nicer pieces of apparel including some sweatshirts for these colder months. To find out more about what 323 Sports can do for your program, visit 323sports.com, or you can contact a sales rep directly at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your basketball program. Randy, today going to talk about coaching superpowers. Yeah. Where did this idea come from, and exactly what do you mean in the context of our coaching? I guess I'd say it came from just sort of like, lots of conversations with coaches and um, trying to like sort of pick out some like what like if I were a carpenter I know what the skills that I need to do I hammering sawing cutting things like that like what are what are the actual skills that a coach needs to 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 master to turn them into a superpower of uh, those skills into a superpower another place I kind of got the idea for this series of articles was from video games. I don't play video games. I've never really been into that, but like I've, I know enough about them to know that like, you know, there's a character in the video game and while they're, while you're playing, you, you, you're playing along and you earn some sort of superpower. Then now your player becomes less vulnerable or they they gain a new weapon or they, uh, you know, something like that. So you level up to a new level. So that's kind of what we're talking about today is thinking of, four things that like I can, I can um, adopt or perfect or get better at to, um, to sort of level up my coaching. Keyword there earned. Uh, Yes. I think it kind of like, that could be encouraging just from the standpoint of this isn't like Spider-Man that get bit by a spider. And now he has all these superpowers. Yeah. I think if you think about it from that perspective, then it's like, either I have it or I don't, but these are all things that you feel like you can get better at. Sure. Absolutely. And, and with practice and with feedback and, and, and kind of evaluating your coaching as, as uh, intently as you evaluate your players play. Okay. So first up superpower drill creation. Yeah. I think this is like, I wouldn't, I don't know. I'm hesitant to call it a superpower because I would I would consider it a fundamental skill of coaching, like to be able to create drills like you. I create playbooks and make them available to coaches online and and I've sold some and and um, and often get follow up questions such as coach. I got the video or I've got the playbook or watch your video on this offense. Do you have any drills for that? <laughs> and um my answer is typically no, I don't, but not because um, I don't want to be helpful, but like I want the I want coaches to learn how to do this and how to create drills. And um, sure, the coach is probably just trying to save some time. They probably have this skill and this ability and they're just trying to save some time. But I, I'm skeptical of that because after after talking to lots of coaches for many hours in my mentoring program, thousands of hours, I have encountered lots of coaches who sort of struggle with how to break things down and teach them. And that's why I'm kind of like after observing and, and, and having these conversations with coaches of kind of like deemed this skill 
uh, a superpower in coaching that, that like, man, like a coach who can really like see an offense and like, um, Hey, you want the drills for that? No, no, I got it. I, I can, I can break it down that they're already thinking about how they would teach it. Um, I, I like that. I like that as a skill. I think that's, I think that's a skill that sets coaches apart that they, they teach things the way that makes sense in their head. They don't need the recipe necessarily. They, they see the end result. They have a vision in their head of what the end result looks like, and they don't have to have the cookbook to go along with it to make the dish. They, they're already, they can do that. They have that skill. Um, that's what I mean by, by that being a superpower. Can it be learned how watching other coaches and, and how they do it and ask questions? Uh, start with a drill, you know, and like think of like how I would advance this drill, make it full chord or add another element to it um, and to strengthen the drill, to make it, you know, more decision based, things like that. So like creating drills that are, are suitable to what you're trying to do, that break down what you're trying to teach and then advance the learning process. Creating those to me is a superpower. I've told other coaches as I uh, teach in some of the classes like there is no substitute for your mastery of what you want to do. And I, I think that you comment about it in the article there, but like one of the early questions you ask is like, what do you, what do you want it to look like? Because if you don't know the system, the big picture, like you said, then it's going to be, it's hard to break it down. But I've also found too, that I, I don't necessarily know. I think we said this in other contexts, but like everybody can identify what good offense looks like. But when you ask them, like, what are the parts that make that up? I don't necessarily know that everybody's thought through that enough. And so going back to our, this is something that you develop over time. There is going to need to be some time that's thought about like, okay, so what are the actual pieces that make this whole part go? Yeah. And then that allows you to do the, another term that you use, like the deconstruction of it. Yeah. And I would say too, like if you're a young coach who's eager, eager to get a head coaching position, who, who, uh, who wants to, their own program and you struggle with this, I'm just being real. You're not ready. Hmm. Just be, just keeping it 100. If you're a young coach who wants to be a head coach and you, you have to have the, 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 the dish and the cookbook and you can't sort of like think of how. Oh, we lost him. Randy will be back in a second. as We wait for him here. Let me just quickly say these four superpowers that Randy's talking about all come from a um, uh, newsletter subscription that he has. And at the end, we'll direct you towards that. Um, but Aunt Randy provides a lot of great information for that. I don't know what happened. My, my so, so, that's all right. No problem. Go ahead. Pick up where you left what off. What I was saying was um, if you're a young coach ready to be a head coach and you struggle with drill creation, you're not ready. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. The second one that I, I think kind of coincides with that really well is this idea of simplification. Yes. Um, man, what a, if you if you want to zig while the rest of your coaching peers are zagging, be simple, be very because like in this day and age when information is everywhere new things are always popping up like the ability to keep your focus and keep things simple and straightforward is going to set you apart. 
Um, I think the idea to include this came from sort of just observing not just basketball, but like sports in general. Like imagine a, an, you know, like we're, we're entering into the, to the NFL playoffs and things like that. So like, there's inevitably a team that maybe like early in the season didn't look like they were going to, um, make the playoffs, but then they go on a late season run and like a journalist puts a microphone in front of one of the players or the coaches, um, face and says, what was the key to turning your season around? And it's almost always like we got back to basics. We simplified, we were thinking too much and not just reacting. We cut back and, and it's, it's the answer is never, you know, we added 168 plays to our playbook and our season just took off. Like it's always a return to basics. So what I would say is a coaching superpower is the ability to start simple and stay simple. Um, and that's, that's, um, I'm calling it a superpower because it's super rare. <laughs> and I would say it starts with a four-step process. I'll hit these really quick that, that, um, I help coaches with is it starts to keep the start simple and stay simple is like, we're going to decide upon how we're going to play. What is going to be our high identi- highly identifiable, highly identifiable style of play. Step two Okay, we've decided how we're going to play. Step two is what skills do we need to play this way? If we're going to be a, a dribble drive type team, we got to start a drive, stop a drive, hit, catch, and shoot threes. Like that's that's what we have to be great at to make this go. If we're going to be a motion team, it's going to be setting screens, receiving screens, reading screens. That's what we have to. Those are priority skills to play this way. So how are we going to play? What priority skills do we need to play this way? And then step three is how are we going to teach those things? What are our drills that we're going to sometimes create to to bring this to life? And then step four is implementation of that, like throughout your whole program and sticking to it. And that's it. Just stay right there day after day after day. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats, lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Combined with the HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com assist. That's huddle.com assist to find out more. Um, yeah, number one, you talk a lot about just simplification of all things, but I think that that's as we gain more and more information and we always want something new that's maybe going to fix something, um, that's just hard to do. Yeah. And like when you are, when you do encounter new information, I need some sort of like test to, to give it admittance into my playbook, our program, our gym, like does this help us teach our style of play better than say a tool maybe we're currently using? And if yes, by all means adopt it, kick something out and, and adopt it. But is it, is it better or just different? You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Third one here. 
Superpower, mental strength. Yeah, this this is. Uh, I think these last two are going to be based on some reading I've done, um, some books I've read that influenced me. The first one is by a psychotherapist named Amy Morin. Uh, she she wrote a book called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do." So instead of like kind of like her spin in the book was like telling you what to do to be mentally strong. She's she observed mental strength and mentally strong people and and said, well, they avoid this. They don't do these things. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. OK, so I'll run through. A, there's 13 of them. I'm not going to mention all 13 of them today. Um, but maybe three of them, if we have time, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about like, and I've seen this behavior in coaches, uh, of, of they do do these things and, and they want mental strength from their players, but they're not, they're not actually mentally strong themselves. So, um, number one, waste time feeling sorry for themselves. I've talked to many coaches who, complain about their coaching situation. They've got unique situations in their school holding them back as to why they can't be competitive, why they can't win a district or league title. Um, they feel sort of cursed, like they're, they're they, oh man, we just have the worst luck. Like the refs are out to get us. There's, there's this like, that's mental weakness, feeling sorry for yourself and this like idea that the system is rigged against you. There is a coach somewhere out there who's got more constraints, more obstacles than you do, who's getting better results than you are because they refuse to waste time with all these real or imagined uh, slights or, or rigs against you. Mm -hmm. The second, second thing I liked that she wrote about was they as, as mentally strong coaches don't fear taking calculated risks. You see it all the time, like, man, they went for it on fourth down right there. Wow. Like they they or you know, like you you gotta risk it, man. Like you gotta get out there to make change. And and mentally strong people don't fear taking calculated risks. They 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 um they aren't necessarily as sure they fear failure, sure they they know the downside of how this might go wrong. I go for it on fourth down right here, like that could go really bad. But like, I got to push my chips in. And I talk to a lot of coaches who are coaching from a place of fear. They're risk averse. They're not putting their pro, they're not pushing their program forward. They're staying in a safe space to where they're more avoiding failure than seeking success. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's now I would say, I would offer a bit of caution, like coaching's not, not for the foolish, like don't, don't, don't go too far with the, with the calculate. The word is calculated risk, right? Like don't go too. coaching is not for the foolish, but it's also not for the faint of heart. Like you've got to, if we're going to move the needle with this program, we've got to do something like beyond our current abilities and, and get there and take a risk. I'd say the third thing that I picked out from the 13 things mentally strong people don't do is they don't expect immediate results. If you are actually mentally strong, you know, there's no quick fix. You know that things take time. You know that, that there's no magic drill. There's no magic offense. Like this is a process. And, um, 
I think a lot of the angst and turmoil that I get from coaches is, is a lack of mental strength on their part. They expected this to be easy. They expected like, oh, I got this job and I'm so great and this is going to work tomorrow just because I know what to say and know what to do. They're, they're going to get humbled. And the mentally strong people don't expect me immediate results. They know their schedule. They know their timeline. They're not surprised when it's hard. They might be the only pe person in their town or the community or their uh, university, in your case, who do have a realistic impression of the timeline, but they don't expect immediate results. So those are three of the 13 things mentally strong people don't do. Yeah, those are great. I looked up all 13 this morning, sent six Good. of them to my players. Awesome. Six. Yeah, I, I would recommend the book. And honestly, Amy is an athlete, the author. She's got a podcast. She goes on podcast. She'd be a great guest for you. Yeah, that's, you reach that, out to her. that's a great idea. Six that I sent, I'll repeat some of the ones, you, two okay. of the ones that you did. But the first okay. one, waste time, feeling sorry for themselves. I think that one's kind of like foundational, kind of yep. sets up the rest of them. Number yep. two, focus on things they can't control, like officiating. Yep. Third, give up after failure. Fourth, dwell on the past. Fifth, make the same mistakes over and over. I think that one's big. Yep. And sixth, expect immediate results. Awesome. I'm glad that helped you, man. Yeah, I, I, I read that book and I, I loved it. I latched yeah. onto it. Yeah, that was great. I've already had a, I mean, I had a lot of response from my players and then one in particular said, that's exactly what I needed this morning. So awesome. I was able Good. to get that. Okay. Fourth so, uh, superpower here, queuing. This again comes from a book I read. So, so we've got, um, you know, outside influences, things I've read that I've, been, I've taken to, you know, my coaching audience. And, and, and this is another one of those. I read a book called The Language of Coaching by Nick Winkleman, who's the head of athletic performance and science for Irish rugby. He's in the, rug, the, rug, the sport of rugby overseas in Ireland and um, wrote a book. He was got became fascinated with coaching cues, like the things we the, the coaching points, the phrases we use, the teaching, uh, the language that we use with our players to impact their on court, on field, on ice behavior. Right. Um, and dug into the research on the things that we say to our the coaching cues we can give players that are least to most effective. And I thought I was fascinated by this book and it, and it made me um, really, it was, it gave me a tool to really help coaches. What I'll do is like, again, it's all research based. It's not like you should do this. It's not preaching at you. He cites research about learning and coaching academic research. So that, that doesn't mean it's indisputable, but it, you get what I'm getting at. It's not, it's, this is based on experimental research. And um, I'd say, let's start with, um, kind of like two two cute two things that are the, that are the strongest ways you can cue athletes so the first one we'll say is external focused or outcome focused cues that'd be versus internal focus so for example um if if i'm telling a, a player who's trying to shoot and I'm saying tuck in your right elbow a little more or bend your knees a little deeper. Your left hip needs to open more. Those are all examples of internal cues. I'm referring to like his, his or her like body parts, right elbow, knees, left hip. 
The, the research suggests that those types of cues are the least effective with players. But I think back and I listen to coaches and I'm like, that's what we use the most. Like all these little technique driven, get your right foot up, your left foot back, open this knee, that hip, you know, like it's all internal focus cues that are very technical in detail and, and, and by nature. But research suggests that external cues are stickier. They, they help athletes out. They help, they impact the outcome more. Examples of those would be press off the floor throw your hands to the sky, push off the floor as hard, as fast as you can. So like, I didn't really get into like the technical details of your body part, your knees, your hips. I'm just telling you, push off the floor. Okay. That's, that's, that's a simpler language, but research suggests that that like that I'm giving you an outcome and you select the motor pattern that gets you up off the floor. Right. Instead of giving you the, the 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 motor pattern and you trying to like arrive at that through your through your uh, through your movement. So that's the second strongest type of cue is external cues. The the king of cues, if you will, is analogy. So if if you're struggling with teaching and you're and you're 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 having players who are ha- having a hard time with with technical matters or, or stance or positioning, you might be using too many internal cues. You need to move more toward external cues and analogy. So thinking of an analogy, your first step is like a base runner stealing second base. Come through the space skinny as if you are sliding through elevator doors as they are closing. Show me a stance like a boxer. So those like, as, analogies, um, that's, that's all I need to say to an athlete. I, I use something else that they already get and understand and apply it to this context, and boom, I've, I've, I've created a stronger cue. If you want your players to kind of go next level in their movements, body, you know, motor, motor functions and whatnot, this was like revolutionary for me. And I, I think it goes back also to the point of most players move – most people move correctly when we're talking about like big motor movements, like they move correctly on their own. I think, you know, we've used here before the example of like the closeouts, people are going to revert back to like what's natural. And I think that we sometimes contradict the what's natural with what we think is better, but it's actually less um, effective because it's not natural. I'm going to get deep with you here. Go ahead. I think what we do as coaches is we focus on the technique because that's what makes our team that's what we have in a vision we envision that makes our team look quotes well coached. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree with you. I totally agree. So we want our team to look technically sound in all these little things like oh look how great they chopped their feet or look at their, you know, we when when we when we get more focused on technique than outcome, I think we're in a trouble space. Yeah. Yeah. So, so an, a difference, a different way to approach, like you use the example of closing out rather than swing your arm, your left arm forward, your right arm back, get your hips back and your knees bent, your shoes squeaking. Those are internal cues. Mm-hmm. They're weak. That's not my opinion. That's what the research suggests. They're weak. 
that, that doesn't mean they don't have a place like techniques important. But what if we just said, don't let that dude shoot a three. Do I really care how mm -hmm. if I have, if I'm closing out to their 40% three point shooter, the, the, the outcome we want is don't let him shoot a three. That's an external cue. Instead of focusing on my knees, my hips, my shoes, my squeaky feet, I'm the external cue that the player on their team, not letting him or her shoot a three. That's all I care about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, probably brings up the topic of overcoaching, which can be its own episode. Maybe that will be one of our future episodes. Yeah. The things that we talked about today, though, that actually came from a series of email newsletters that you send out. Can you direct people to those and then tell them a little bit more about them? Yeah. The, uh, the, the newsletter, um, you can, you can go to the to the link tree in my like Twitter bio or something like that. It's called Radius Athletics Extra, X T R A Radius Athletics Extra, and it's where I kind of blog and write things. Uh, full disclosure: some of those things are behind a paywall. Most of them aren't. I don't think these articles are. Um, so they're they're free and available uh, to read and, uh, subscribe to. And, and when I write things, you'll get an email notification, the article will go right to your inbox. So you won't miss anything. So, um, that's where these can be found. Yeah. Great stuff. A lot of nuggets, even the stuff that you talked about today, not everything that we've talked about, um, was, was things in the, in the article themselves. There's more there. So sure. go check those out. Absolutely. Thanks to all of you who joined us this week. If you missed any part of the live show, you can go back and watch or listen Simply search Hoops Forum on YouTube to watch the full episode, or you can go to any podcast platform and search a quick timeout, and there you'll find the audio version of the show. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next time on Hoops Forum. <laughs>